Hello. Hello. You're listening to Track by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. This is the podcast where you take a great pop music album and break it down, track by track. And we don't want to hassle you, but on the turntable this week, we've got Red Carpet Massacre from Duran Duran. Duran Duran, back again on Track by Track, and Dan, you're never happier, it feels like, when you're talking about Duran Duran. Never happier, and also, part of the reason why I'm so happy, and as we just said before we press record, is that for some of the albums we talk about, some of the acts we talk about, I do lots of research, I'm in the library until all hours, sleeping on the desk, but with Duran Duran, I feel like it's all up here, uh, pointing to my head, by the way. So it's kind of a bit of a jolly. Uh, for you, maybe. No, I joke. I was actually saying before we pressed record that uh, this wasn't necessarily the biggest hit album or it didn't necessarily go down as well with fans. But uh, I, this is one of, one of my more enjoyable Duran Duran albums. Yeah, I am a big fan of this album. Always have been and I suppose always will be. But yeah, for sure as we are going to come on to talk about in much more detail, not exactly a fan favourite, not one of their biggest hits, uh, not really a favourite of the bands anymore, I don't think either, interestingly. But let's ramp up the positivity and uh, talk. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> why are we talking about it this week? We're talking about it this week because it was released 15 years ago. And just to tie it up with a recent episode because of course we went track by track through Medazzaland exclusively on Patreon just a month ago that was released in 1997 this was released in 2007 so a decade between those two which you know for me it feels like much longer and actually the 15 years between Red Carpet Massacre and now with Future Passions coming out last year feels like no time at all. This album is very of 2007 and the mid-noughties, definitely in production and uh, just kind of how it was promoted at the time and how the artwork was at the time as well. Also, I still feel like the the whole theming around it was very much them. But but then I also thought, oh, I'm really looking forward to some chart chat because it was a really interesting time in the music charts. But I'm going to be cruelly disappointed, I think, on that front today. <laughs> you really are, because, let's let's say it straight away, there was only one single from this album. Such was the, I suppose, disappointment of how it did chart, which again, not to, not to give it all away too soon, as I often say to you to not do, we are going to come on to talk about Chart Chat later. Um, how, it's, how it charted later, sorry. That is Chart Chat. Yeah, and for the one track that was released as a single, uh, it didn't exactly set the charts on fire. So unless you're going to give us a top 51 countdown, I don't know how deeply we will delve into the charts at the time. But you almost don't need to because a lot of what was in the charts at the time is featured as part of the production uh, and uh, end result of this album. Yes. But yeah, let's get positive, shall we? Let's get positive. Duran Duran. Do we need to talk about who Duran Duran are? Um, give us 20 seconds. All right, I'll give you I'll give you a, a quick once-over. Uh, so Duran Duran from Birmingham. They've been around since the very early 80s, late 70s even. Originally, Simon Le Bon, Nick Rhodes, John Taylor, Roger Taylor. But 
uh, who I guess things would have changed and mixed up. In fact, I know things have changed and things changed whilst this album was in production. Who were the final members to be present on this album production? Well, interestingly enough, Will, I think when you called out the members there, you missed off Andy Taylor and he is the original member who wasn't on this album. Before this album came Astronaut, which was the big comeback of the original lineup, the Fab Five. And it was a hit album around the world with hit singles, uh, top five singles in the UK, some of their biggest hits for years and years and years. But during the creation of the follow-up album, which wasn't going to be this album, there was a different album, Reportage, or Reportage. I hear it said different ways. (laughs) Andy Taylor left the band for the second time. And rather than continue to work on that, which was a bit of a rockier effort and I think was inspired by some of the bands around at the time like Block Party, Franz Ferdinand, things like that. They decided to scrap that completely and go back to the drawing board. And also I believe they were encouraged, it wasn't initially their idea, but they were encouraged to work with Timberland and his team, who, as you said, was the sound of the time. And that's how this album came to be with Simon, Nick, John and Roger. Uh, so the record company did a fair bit of arm twisting to uh, to get this kind of final version of the album to to be what it is. But it has to be said that some stories as well, because as I said, when the band look back on this album, they don't speak as highly about it as they do of some of their other albums. Um, but I have read as well that they were all fans of Timbaland. It was the one producer at the time that they were all big fans of. So they weren't forced into it. But there's a big difference between being a fan of a producer and then working on a on a whole album with them. And I guess different groups and different producers have different ways of working, preferred instruments or not or lack thereof, which I'm sure was a part of this. Um, maybe a bit of the friction on this album based on how Timberland produces music versus the more organic uh, instruments and organs that uh, Duran Duran would use. Hmm. And Nick Rhodes, when he talks about this time, he often likes to say that the production team, which was Timberland, as well as uh, Jim Beans, Danger, The Senator, and of course, Justin Timberlake was involved as well. Uh, Nick likes to say that they were surprised when the band turned up with instruments because most of what they did was just done with computers and synths. Got that line up there. It sounds like WWF wrestling. It's not WWF anymore, is it? It's um, WWE. WWE. Oh, no, that's... Or is that... No, it is WWE, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, one's a charity. So, Red Carpet Massacre. This was released on the 13th of November 2007. 12th studio album. Uh, So we are, as Dan has already said, uh, celebrating an anniversary there. If you're listening at time of release... And I have to say, as a Duran Duran fan, it was a very exciting time because the Fab Five had been back together. They had gotten so much attention from the press. Uh, they got so many Lifetime Achievement Awards and things like that. And it felt like we just wanted the momentum to keep going. It felt like a great idea to work with these new producers. Uh, I remember getting this on release day and racing home to play it and, and to watch the DVD that came with the special edition version that I had. Uh, which were doing a big thing at the time as well. Oh, huge, yeah. Mm. Also came with a sticker in the box, which I've still got that sticker, unpeeled. Uh, where's, where where do you keep it? Somewhere somewhere uh, safe? Oh, yeah, I've got my Duran Duran collection. 
Oh, Nowhere near as that? big as none of your business. <laughs> That's my retirement fund. It's probably yeah, probably worth a few bob. Mm. A few rarities in there actually. I'll be ra- I'll be sniffing around your drawers next time I come round. And Dan, I just want to just pull you up for a second on your your casual use of the phrase Fab Five, because is there a definitive band that are known as the Fab Five? Because I've heard it used for Dur- at the very least for Duran Duran, Spice Girls, Take That. Uh, and the Beatles as well. Just four of them, Will. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? It has It is tossed around quite freely. It is. Who is, th- who, is the fab, who is the definitive Fab Five? Well, I think that, obviously, the Beatles were the Fab Four, and then the hysteria surrounding Duran Duran in the 80s, particularly in the States, was likened to something that hadn't been seen since the Beatles. So I think they were then nicknamed the Fab Five in honour of the Beatles. And then probably it wasn't seen again, certainly from a British band, until the Spice Girls. So maybe all of the above, but not take that. So shall we get stuck in, Will? Shall we see what we think to Red Carpet Massacre? Yeah, here we go then. Side one, track one. The Valley. Through the valley Through the tall grass And the shadows So that is The Valley, and I think I must have said this before, Will, and I'm going to say it again. Duran Duran, for me, are one of those artists, one of those bands where they really understand the art of an album and the importance of the structure of an album and just what that first song should sound like and indeed what that last song should sound like. And for me, this is just the perfect introduction into this sound and this era of Duran Duran because instantly when you compare it to everything that came on Astronaut it's a totally new sound and you can definitely tell it's influenced by who they're working with but I think as well as that it really does feel like a Duran Duran song as well. It does because of the whirring guitars on it but I think I agree with everything you've just said and I love the kind of the drums almost like drill element to it because it does punctuate it as the start of the album and when I first started listening to this album in preparation for the episode uh, I can't remember the last time I listened to this album if if I ever have properly before uh before this episode and as soon as this track started the the drums and the beat kicked in and I was like oh yes it's the Timberland album and I knew instantly where I was and you would have done at the time as well, wouldn't you? Do you think they uh, would have drawn some new fans because of the very specific production on this album? Um, definitely, I would say. But I don't know if that would be through just word of mouth through Durani's or if just Timberland, casual Timberland fans would have thought, oh, it's, he's working with Duran Duran, I'll have to listen to that. Because I know that a good friend of mine... Angus, you've met, who we used to live with. Not necessarily a Duran Duran fan, although I do seem to recall he had the reflex on his iPod that I had to borrow once. Um, I played some of these songs to him and he loved them and he played them on repeat. And not this one necessarily, but a couple of tracks that come later, he was Mm. a huge fan of. Uh, Another friend of mine, Sophie, 
you've met. Uh, was a big fan, particularly of another song that's not that we haven't come to yet. So I would say definitely there were new fans from this new sound, um, but maybe the the core fan base had to help share that message. Uh, just out of interest, why did you have to borrow uh, an iPod from him? Well, well, I was driving down from back home near Sheffield down to Luton or Heathrow or somewhere to pick up my granddad. Uh, and I didn't have one at the time, I don't think. So uh, I borrowed that and plugged it into my car through the uh, Siggy lighter. Oh, you didn't put, have to put the cassette, the fake cassette into the player to do it that way? Oh, no, I didn't have a cassette player. Well, I, I was more ahead of the times than that. I had a Peugeot 206 with a CD player. Oh, did you have a six-disc changer in your boot? Oh, no, 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 just one. But this CD got a lot of treatment Ladies. in that car. Oh, oh. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did your granddad enjoy it? Oh, no, I had to switch it off for him. Not a big music fan. I don't, I don't get it from him. He only really likes three bands. The Travelling Wilburys, Odyssey, and maybe it's just two bands. Nancy Sinatra, that's the other one. Oh, we'd love a bit of Nancy. Yeah. Nancy and Lee. Now, interestingly, Will, we talk about this as the Timberland album, as many other people do. But actually, Timberland only appears on three of the tracks, or only worked on three of the tracks. As I said before, his team worked on a lot of the other songs, including Danger, otherwise known as Nate Hills. He, with Duran Duran, he composed the music for almost every song on the album, include this one. And he co-produced almost every single song, including this one, uh, alongside Jimmy Douglas as well. And Danger Will, because I know you're gagging to know who else he worked mm. with, uh, did a lot of work with Timberland uh, outside of this. So worked on the likes of Promiscuous uh, with Nelly Furtado, Sexy Back with Justin Timberlake, Gimme More by Britney, Four Minutes by Madonna, and many, many more. All of those songs uh, that Timberlake was also involved with, Timberland that was also involved with, that sounded very similar. Yeah. But it's interesting that we often talk about them as being Timberland produced, don't we? Danger's mm. there. He's definitely there. One of the things I love about this one as well, Will, is as well as it introducing this new sound, as well as it sounding like Duran Duran, because it's quite a lengthy song. It's just under five minutes long. There's some wonderful musical interludes. And I think you really get to hear each instrument on its own so you get to hear roger's drum beat as you said that kind of drill drum beat throughout but there's a wonderful bass solo from john you get to hear the guitar which is don brown on here who still plays live with the band and on the albums uh and you also get some wonderful synths almost climbing this valley from nick as well uh nice comparison there tar so should we move on track mm. two title track red carpet massacre What a wonderful, rollicking track that is. And this, for me, is where that marriage between the production, the different production with Danger and Timberland, or not Timberland, I'm sure you'll correct me, Dan, uh, shortly, and Duran Duran's, 
instruments and vocal and song sensibilities collide uh, and colliding marriage, uh, particularly that chorus, which I absolutely love. So iconic for them, but it's surrounded by such details, detailed, slightly dark production, which I guess suits the massacre nature of this track. I also feel strangely at time of recording, we're just a day after Halloween here. Uh, so it's whilst we're still feeling ghoulies, uh, it feels very appropriate to play as well. Definitely. Also worth noting that Duran Duran have just performed on Halloween an incredible Halloween special show, which they've never done before, playing a lot of rarities, uh, lots of covers as well that they've never done before. And this should have been on the set list, actually. Great point, actually. This is very spooky. Um, it's very dark. I love as well how it starts with that introduction, that kind of quiet scene setting intro, which then it also comes back for the outro in a song that is only just over three minutes long. So it's a real, the actual meat of the song is, and I shouldn't say meat because like myself, Nick is a vegetarian, um, but it's a very bite-sized thing, but it packs a punch and so different to the valley and so different to what's coming up next as well really focusing on that rockier punkier side of duran duran but still as you said embracing these new producers and i think just the whole red carpet massacre song and theming to this album and this track very in keeping with the uh with the comment and the lyrics in a lot of their work around uh, the culture of the time, celebrity culture of the time, fame, glamour, money. Uh, again, very, very in keeping in theme, this song as well. Definitely. Also, oh, definitely, yeah. Uh, also, I watched a YouTube video the other day. Uh, I was researching this episode and it was a BBC feature about the launch of this album, which they did on a red carpet. So I love oh, the fact yeah. that it was very much... I guess the showmanship and the drama of an occasion to launch the album, something kind of very them to do as well. Uh, they also did a run of Broadway shows to launch this album where they played the whole thing in full uh, from start to finish and then played some hits afterwards, including some rarities, including an incredible electro set, which I think I've talked about before, which was just a live highlight, which wasn't recorded. Um so I love how they, they switched things up before with Astronaut. They were playing a Wembley Arena seven nights back to back with this. It just felt different. So they were going into a Broadway theater. And yes, the red carpet, as you said, a huge part of it. It's across the uh, the cover art. But this song as well, just really poetically, but still very punky, telling the story of this red carpet massacre. And I think the lyrics are kind of hidden behind the music and the energy of the song because they're really poetic. It starts off with dark sun rose on the ridge cut clear across the sky as good a day as any to die. And the whole the whole thing, you could read it or or recite it. And it's a wonderful thing. Uh, question for you, Dan. Mm-hmm. This this song is called Red Carpet Massacre. It's the title track from the album. It's also absolute, an absolute belter, loads of energy, really sticks in your mind. Why, oh, why, oh, why, oh, why was it neither a lead single or a single at all? Well, I, I 
think there's lots of examples on here of tracks that could have, should have been singles. Um, and I think, sadly, it's just because of, of how the album performed and how the first single performed. I think, but yeah, why wasn't this the first single? Sorry, I know it's not. It's nothing. Not your fault. Not my. I wasn't you, making decisions back then like I am now. But um, I, I don't think this would have been a good first single actually, because I think it's too in your face. But I also don't think that the lead single was the right choice either. Controversially, uh, I disrespectfully disagree with you that because I think that for the reasons you don't think it should be the lead single, are the reasons why I think it should be the lead single. Well, let's let's disrespectfully disagree together. Oh, yeah. But I would love to... There is, like you said, there is some footage of the band at the time launching the album. There's some stuff in the studio. I would love to have been a fly on the wall when they were recording this one with those producers, again, who were more used to working with the likes of Timberland and Nelly Furtado or Britney or whoever, because those drums and those guitars in this one must have been a bit of a whole new world for them. Mm. So... Track three, Night Runner. Dan, I absolutely love this one and just slightly nervously ignoring the fact that it doesn't, you can't overly hear Dran Dran and it doesn't sound at all like a Dran Dran track. Yeah, this is a really interesting one and this is probably where some of the hardcore Dran Dran fans, uh, this is probably one of the tracks that they struggled with. For me though, again, as a huge Dran Dran fan, as a huge Timberland fan, and he is, as you can hear, he does feature on this one, uh, as does Justin Timberlake, and both played a part in the uh, music and production of it. Um, but for me, the combination of both was there. And I think even though you can't overly hear Duran Duran's influence on it, there is a drum beat on there, which is Roger, and there is bass on there, which which actually is quite prominent, especially on the uh, Bridges. That is, of course, John Taylor, and of course, there are synths and electronics in there. So I think it is, it very much is a Duran Duran song, just in, in a whole new way. Yeah, I I know I know what you mean there. But it's if you were listening to this as a casual listener, or it came on the radio, uh, you wouldn't know, would you? You would be very surprised when the disc jockey at the end says, Duran Duran there, and Night Walkers. Nightwalkers. <laughs> Have you thought about a job in hospital radio? Night, <laughs> night runners. I, I, I wish they. The only way I've got, the only chance I've got of getting on hospital radio is to uh, die on the table. Oh, fingers crossed for you, lovey. <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean. It could, it could easily be a Timberland featuring Simon Le Bon track if you didn't know your onions or eggs or. I don't know, insert kitchen staple here. But I, I think this is a great example of them working together. And I this was rumoured, Will, to be the lead single. And this is 
one of the songs that was performed on The X Factor when they did the Sunday night show back in November of 2007. They did a mashup of this and Notorious. And I really do think it should have been, if not the lead single, then one of the singles released from the album. I can imagine this song appealing to the masses that watch The X Factor. And that's not... No, not trying to insult you. No, no, no. I know you like ITV, Dan, but I just mean it's got a very... It's very radio-friendly because it's... Fantastic! It's a fantastically produced dance, pop, R&B synth track. Well, and it is. And this was the first thing that fans got to hear live. The band were playing a show in New York City uh, and they surprised the fans with this first preview of the new album. And I remember seeing footage of it on YouTube. Back then, probably very grainy, not very good quality. Mm. But I remember being very excited for what was about to happen. I was going to ask, what would you have thought if you were one of those fans that heard this for the first time without any further context of the album that was to come? Oh, I, I, I definitely think I would have liked it. because I'm, And we talk about this a lot, but I'm the kind of fan that really appreciates a band experimenting and doing new things rather than the same old formula over and over again. And we talked about that with Kylie Minogue recently on the Impossible Princess episode where that was totally Mm. different and she continues to do different things. Um, That is part of the reason why I like Duran Duran and why I follow them so much. So I'd have been really happy with this new sound. Also, well, just in case any listeners were at that show, I want to make it very clear that other tracks from the album were played out that night over the sound system but that was the only one that was performed live before we get any letters <laughs> again uh but also duran duran have gone on to continue this uh experimentation and taking these risks and uh partnering with uh you know very current very hot producers and uh, guest artists as well so it's not something they did with this, maybe got a bit of a lukewarm reception, thought, oh no, we'll just go back to banging out the classic style. Uh, we're going to just continue to do this because creatively it excites them. Uh, the fans like you love mm-hmm. that sort of approach, but also they want to stay relevant. They want to stay on the radio and who wouldn't? Well, exactly, yeah. And yeah, as you said about collaboration, uh, as we said, the album that came before this, Astronaut, was just Duran Duran and the producers this was the first album of many where collaborators were really a big part of it. So on this track, as we said, it features Timberland and Justin Timberlake. They're there on the vocals as well. And then on every album post this, all you need is now Paper Gods, Future Past. There's so many uh, fellow vocalists, but also musicians as well. I almost think that maybe that's what they took from this experience. Maybe they don't love the album as much as they love some of the others, but at least they took something from it to take forward. I would say All You Need Is Now sounds, they struck a better balance between sounding like them and sounding very modern and up-to-date as well on that album. Can't wait. I'd be looking forward to doing that one. That'd be a good one. We've done it. (laughs) (laughs) How many more times am I going to get away with that joke? Not many. I'll keep trying. And I can't believe that All You Need Is Now is the album that followed because it's such a different sound to this, but clearly based on the feedback and maybe based on some of their own thoughts as well, they want to take it back to their classic sound. Uh, do check out that episode, actually. We were very enthusiastic about what we need is now. Uh, rightfully so. 
Okay, track four now, and this is the solitary single featuring Justin Timberlake. It's falling down. Falling down there, as you said, Will, the lead single and the final single from the album. This, I think, is a fantastic electro pop ballad inspired again by Timberland and Timberlake. And, you know, really taking influence from how Justin Timberlake would do a ballad with things like Crimea River or My Love or any of the slower moments from those albums. But I have to say, for me, as I said before, it just, just because it was a ballad, I think they thought it would appeal to more of their regular fans, more of the Radio 2 audience, and that's why they chose it as a single. And for me, there are better songs on this album to showcase mm. what they were doing while still showcasing the newer sound. So I, I, it's a great song. It's a great ballad. Um, but if I'm talking about it as a single and the only single, for me, not the one. I, yeah, agree. And I read somewhere about uh, someone said in a review for the album that this song would have served Justin Timberlake better as a solo single, particularly the uh, the most interesting part about it, which is the con- the content, the lyrical content behind this song, which was all uh, based around uh, Justin's concern and, um, and uh, observations of the deterioration in Britney Spears' life and mental health at the time, hence the name Falling Down, uh, which they did confirm as well themselves. And also the music video for this one, if you remember, was set in rehab with the band as the Doctors. Um, so really kind of honing in on that theme. But what do you think of it as a track though, Will? Ignoring the whether it was a single or not. Uh, it is saved by its chorus for me. I do not enjoy the way it starts because I do think, oh God, after th- after three, you know, what are very bold, very different songs with real energy about them. This was a little bit more mm, run of the mill. A bit middle of the road, a bit safe, mm. which, you know, you don't want for Duran Duran because you don't want them to go back there. And also you don't want from Tim Blake and Timberland because, you know, that's not them. I remember playing it. I had the CD single, uh, played it in the car. I was taking a friend from work uh, home, dropping them off. And I said, see if you can tell who this is. Because, you know, if you know someone isn't a fan of something, but you think they should be, you might trick them into it. You might play it in the background. <laughs> uh, I'll try to. My brother used to say, I always used to do it with Duran Duran and like secretly put the new song on, but not tell them who it was. Um, but I did that with my friend. And as it started, I said, do you know who this is? And he thought it was the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, I can understand why, you know, if you weren't into music, why you might think that a little bit. But uh, no offence to your friend. Uh, but Dan, good for you giving all these lifts to people. Very generous. Very generous. Well, I was a bar manager, Will, at uh, a, quite a popular public house. So some of the younger lads hadn't learned to drive yet. Ah, Okay. 
and this was their number 52 smash hit, uh, not their finest hour in the charts. But I would love to know, because it's our only opportunity this episode, what was going on at the top end of the charts? Well, let me just read you the top 10, because it's the only opportunity I've got this week. And it is a classic chart from November of 2007. So at 10, you had Sugar Babes, About You Now. Number nine, a re-entry for Run Rig featuring Tartan Army with Lock Lomond. Lock, Lock Lomond. Oh, I was just talking about Run Rig to a friend the other day. Oh, uh, d- not you. I don't know that one, Will. You'll have to hum it to me later. Eight, a new entry for Block Party with Flux. We just talked about Block Party, didn't we? Mm. Seven, Westlife with Home. Six, Alicia Keys with No One. Five, future Duran Duran producer Mark Ronson featuring Amy Winehouse with Valerie. Four, Kylie Minogue, Two Hearts, coming soon to a podcast oh, near you. Been, lis- been listening to it already, Dan. Oh, great album. Great song. Mm. Lots to talk about that song. Three, Timberland and One Republic and Apologise. Two, Take That, Rule the World. And one, Leona Lewis, Bleeding Love. But this is the interesting thing, Will. Timberland was at number three with One Republic and Apologise. He was also at number 19 with 50 Cent and Justin Timberlake with AO Technology. He was also at number 29 with Kerry Hilson and The Way I Are. He was also at number 52 with Duran Duran because he didn't feature on that one, but he produced it. And he was also at 89 with Nelly Furtado and Justin Timberlake again with Give It To Me. And that concludes Chart Chat for this episode, Will. Time to move on then, I think, Dan. Uh, so on to track number five now, and this is a box full Oh Honey. Are you laughing at me now? In my circumstance When still I wear your crown My life's penitence For what? What's so funny? A box full So, box full of honey there. Even slower, Will. You said you were maybe a little bit put off by the start of falling down with that guitar sound. This is quite unexpected, I think, on this album or the album so far. Really stripped back, really acoustic. And just that kind of percussion coming through that reminds you of who the band are working with. But I have to say, for me, as more of a fan of ballads, as maybe more of a fan of stripped back sounds... I am a huge, huge, huge fan of this song. And I just think it's kind of just tipping a hat to what else they do apart from the upbeat stuff to maybe even pre-Ordinary World, but Save a Prayer or something like that. I think it's a little stunner. I like this song. And Dan, you were dead set that I was going to talk about the arm artwork on this, but I like it because it's a bit more stripped back and a bit more uh, instrumental in that the pianos and the drums do the talking a lot more than the synths and the kind of hard than the harsher beats and sounds in it as well. And I like that kind of midpoint of the album to have something a bit more traditional, a bit more faithful, but at the same time you can still tell some precision production on there. And this one, so we're back with Danger and Jimmy Douglas. Jimmy Douglas, I didn't mention before, he has worked with some icons. During the 80s, he didn't work with Duran Duran, but he did work with Roxy Music, the Rolling Stones, and oh, the aforementioned Odyssey, who we have, don't mention very often, but there they are twice in one episode, uh, when he engineered and produced for them. And then later on, he would go on to work with the likes of Sean Paul, Kanye West, and of course, 
Duran Duran. Which is uh, how they course, say it in the US. Duran Duran. Of course, everybody knows who the best person that Sean Paul collaborated with. Blue Cantrell. Also, this one, I feel like it's a, a little bit of a sister track to Leave a Light On, which featured on All You Need Is Now. Again, just kind of nodding, uh, tipping their hats, if you like, to some of those earlier, more heartfelt Duran sounds. So let's move on then. Timberland is back. It's Skin Divers. Dirty fingers, it's a skin So that was Skin Divers. Uh, we'll get on to the, the finities of what that title means in a second. But I have to say, this is probably one of my favourite songs on the album because it is everyone's involved. It's a real banger. And it sounds like Gimme More by Britney Spears. Yeah, it definitely does sound like what Timbaland was doing at the time. And yeah, a year before this came out, he'd produced Loose for Nelly Furtado. Uh, he'd worked with Pussycat Dolls. And then also in 2007, he'd worked with Beyonce with 50 Cent, with Ashley Simpson on Out of My Head, mm. which I listened to fairly recently and is wonderful. Uh, he also worked with Kerry Hilson, of course, Rihanna and he released Shock Value as well. So it definitely does sound like a lot of what he was working on. But I think as well, and maybe it is because we're fans of the band, we know the band. I think you can tell it's a Duran Duran song as well. I don't think it's hidden behind anything. No, it's not. But it is very much Timberland as well. And I'm surprised he saw Daylight for a good three or four years in the mid noughties with the amount of work he was doing. But then I guess if a lot of your songs sound the same, then it's copy and paste, isn't it? So... Uh, well, look, look at Stockake and Waterman. <laughs> they were having a laugh in the 80s, honestly, with some of those tracks. And I'm actually joking about Timberlake. But for them, really, they were just copy and pasting stuff with different yeah, vocals on. They were. But we lap it up, don't we? You do, yeah. Well, yeah. Now, this one, Will, was supposed to be the second single from the album. There was even a remix of this one from the Arctic Monkeys drummer Matt Helders. But for whatever reason, and probably the reason being that the album and first single didn't perform well, it didn't happen. Which I think is such a shame. They should have given it one more try. I think this really would have worked. This is another one of the songs that my friend Angus was mad about. And when we used to go out in the car, he would make me play this and Night Runner on repeat. I think I'd sneak in a couple of the other album tracks as well. Um, but yeah, this is definitely the one, as you said, sounding like Britney, sounding like the other things. This is the one that would really appeal to a Timberland fan. And then that title, Will, and those lyrics, it's about skin diving. What the hell is skin diving? Sex. Oh. You think so? so? so well, I wouldn't be too surprised. Also singing about that's what it feels like when you come up for air. Oh, can... okay. So, yeah, yeah. Cunnilingus. Mm, perhaps. I'm sure Simon, Simon does, is a bit like, uh, well, not Neil Tennant. He likes to talk about what the lyrics aren't about. But Simon 
doesn't like to go too far into the detail of the lyrics, but I think really if you read it that way, it's it's quite sexual, quite a sexy song. Well, could be Kunlingus or Fellatio. It's either or. All, all welcome. And I was lucky enough to see this one live, Will, when I saw the Red Carpet Basket Tour. I, they played a good chunk of the album, certainly the first half of the album. It sounded great. It, I, I get the impression that we're probably not going to hear these songs live again for a while, certainly until they do some sort of rarity show again or uh, maybe they play albums in full or something like that. And I think it's a real shame for people like you who didn't see that tour have come to love this album and then, you know, won't get the chance to to hear them live. People like me. What do you mean people like me? Well, they didn't... Homophobe. (laughs) Are you? Oh, that's a curveball. (laughs) (laughs) No, I know what you mean, Dan. Just being provocative. There are some additional lyrics on this one from Terry Walker. Are you familiar, Will? No. Terry's debut album Untitled released in 2003 was nominated for the Mercury Music Prize and she was also nominated for several MOBOs that year she went on to work with the likes of Moz Def uh, and had hits in the UK with tracks including Ching Ching Uh, she also had a top 12 hit Will in 2000 with Sing Along with Shanks and Bigfoot Oh, I remember the name. I can't remember. Obviously, everyone remembers Sweet Light Chocolate, so I can't remember what Sing Along was no, like. I don't remember that at all. So I won't even try to. Good. Uh, number seven now. Track seven, Tempted. All about the way you move it When you really got to prove it There. This one for me, well, I think it's such an incredible track because it's such a dance floor filler without it probably being much of a dance floor filler. When I hear this song, I just think of the club and I think of the club lights. And I think it's got just the groove of classic Duran Duran songs with those new influences. I don't think it sounds like something that Danger uh, and the rest of the gang would normally do. I think they really have met the, the middle meeting point of these two camps. Uh, I agree. Uh, I think their vocals are the most prominent they have been on the album so far with this track. And actually the production is dialed down a little bit to allow that to happen. But I also think the underlying synth is very familiar of uh, the way I are. Yes, quite right, actually. Yeah. And lyrically. Lyrically. I think this is one of the simpler tracks I said before about how Red Carpet Massacre and Box Full of Honey really were stunning lyrics. But this Ron, who's Ron? (laughs) But this one with how he's going to tempt you, like, you know, he meant to kind of, it's more about the the structure of the song itself than any poetry within the lyrics. Well, and a bit of alliteration there as well, isn't it? Um, Is that the one which the words sound like the sounds? Or the sounds sound like the words? Yeah. No, alliteration is uh, where they start with the same letter. Onomatopoeic. What, it sounds like a tempt? 
a temptress. Oh, I don't know, but it's it's, it's nice the way that yeah. it happens. But it definitely oh. sounds like something. <laughs> <laughs> tried to tried to be clever there and just didn't, oh, should didn't know work. better. Ne- next time, next year. Now on the red carpet massacre tour, this is another one that was played, and this came after the electro set. Now I hinted at the electro set before, and we've definitely talked about it on the podcast before. But if you haven't heard, or if you didn't know. The electro set part of the Red Carpet Massacre tour is when all four members of the band came to the centre of the stage, all stood behind a mini synth or an electronic drum kit in Roger's case, and they played this set which mashed up really highly electronic versions of uh, their own song Last Chance on the Stairway, then into All She Wants Is, then into a cover of Warm Leatherette, then into I Don't Want Your Love, into Skin Trade, and then from that, it went into this song, Tempted. And it was just an incredible moment because it was all of these non-hits or covers into this brand new dance floor filler. Uh, I think some of the diehard fans weren't really sure what to expect, but I thought this was just genius. Uh, no, it's a really strong album track. And again, it's one of those tracks that uh, unless you're a fan and you love the album, you don't know about but I think a lot of music fans would enjoy it, particularly if you're a fan of that sort of music. Ooh. That sort of thing. Mm. So, track, track eight. Trick out. So that was uh, Tricked Out. And this is a curious beast, isn't it? It's, um, it's a, I love it, really, because it's, you know, it's just sounds and different. Uh, it's a big mashup of genres as well. It's kind of got this, I mean, it's obviously a real dance track with a great beat to it. But then you've got these keys and it's very gothic and quite mystical as well. And it's just... Uh, a lot of fun actually right in the middle of the album a nice break yeah i think it's great that they had this instrumental on there and of course they've done it before with tel aviv from the debut album with tiger tiger from seven and the ragged tiger and i think they really know how to create atmosphere and drama without the lyrics telling the story and they don't always do it and they hadn't done it for a few years before this but this is a great track because again it's so Duran Duran. That guitar is so raucous and playing into their punk earlier side. And the synths, as you said, so playful. But you can really hear, you can still hear the influence of who they're working with. And I would imagine it would be quite rare for them just to do an instrumental as well. So I, th- I just think all of those things coming together make it probably one of the most interesting songs on the album. You could just imagine them having a lot of fun performing this live and just completely uh, just going crazy and and mashing it all up and make going on and on with it. Definitely. And talking of mashups, Will, Duran Duran played uh, a really exclusive gig with Mark Ronson after this album came out, but before they worked on All You Need Is Now together. And as part of the, the gig, it was basically all one big mashup and included this song. And I think before this one, it was The Chauffeur. 
And then after this one, it went into a cover of Blur's Song 2. I might have got the order wrong a little bit there, but it was such an interesting way to merge these three songs that don't really sound like anything like each other mm. together. But it really, really worked. Uh, your live knowledge of Duran Duran, Dan, is absolutely sensational. Can't fault you. Oh, thanks. Until you're corrected. Until someone corrects you. Someone but... will correct me, Will, and good for them, actually. <laughs> uh, but I didn't see that show sadly i think it was in paris i think it was for smirnoff or something like that uh, but you can get videos of that one on the youtube corporate gigs chitching sound effect yeah i mean we i'd do it if someone offered me a load of money to go and do something as a one-off performance i'd totally do it i mean if you've got within, yeah. within reason within reason depends mm. what i was being asked what, uh butler in the buff for five thousand pounds no ten thousand pounds no £25,000. Why does it have to be in the buff? £25,000, yes or no? <laughs> uh, no? Well, I don't know. Uh, no comment. No, we'll take it offline. Oh, you've got too much money. Is that an actual offer or are we, is it hypothetical still? I've got the money. All my Patreon pounds. <laughs> <laughs> you can have all of my half of the Patreon money if you'd be a butter in the buff at this year's Christmas drinks. <laughs> oh damn we should hire a couple actually for the christmas do this year oh that that's a good way to splash the cash actually isn't it uh but just in the special request just write no apron yeah <laughs> oh we can just undo it while they're walking around i think i think they love that kind of thing don't they <laughs> yeah. they love it come on that's why they do it uh track number nine now uh and Dan, this is what you were doing to that photo from the White Lotus Season 2 premiere that was online the other week. <laughs> Zoom in. Stood on the line You understand I've been waiting forever Come rain, come shine In the wind, in the snow In the filthy weather This is a great run of songs in the middle of the album, uh, which are not at all uh, known by anyone other than fans who who bought the album. Because you've gone from like Skin Divers, Tempted, Tricked Out, and now Zoom In, which is another absolute belter. Again, for me, marries Duran Duran's sound and style with the with the production really nicely. And there's also some wonderful sound effects in there as well. Yeah, I love the sound effects. It's really playful. And actually, that's probably because the inspiration for for this one is really playful because this was inspired by Second Life. Did you ever get into Second Life, Will? No, I've heard about it, though. Uh, from what I can gather, it was sort of a, a Sims-esque thing where you had your character and you lived in this virtual world. And I think at the time, Duran Duran were quite big on it and they would have these parties in Second Life and someone would be doing a DJ set and whatever. Never joined it myself. I think because I was so addicted to The Sims when it was out that I kind of couldn't get couldn't get myself back into that state again. I didn't know truth from reality, Will. No, that's the same thing. Oh, I've forgotten again. You didn't know fiction from reality. Yeah, that'll do. Uh, is it like the metaverse, whatever that is? Yeah, whatever it is. All I know of that is that Mark Zuckerberg looks more real on that than he does in real life. And no one has legs, I think. 
Uh, they're trying to tell us. What's it? They're trying to tell us now that it's not just about meeting up and playing games. The metaverse. It's actually where vital research and things, all this nonsense, happens as well. Let it touch. One of the lines I like in the song, Will, is where Simon sings, "Gonna make some cash with the avatar." Do you think they might be following in Abba's footsteps? <laughs> Would you like that? You'd go and see that, wouldn't you? Definitely. Well, do you know what? That sounded quite threatening, didn't it? Do you know what? But I might no. just really go and do it now. Yeah. But do you know what? While Duran Duran are performing live, and I think they thoroughly enjoy performing live, I would take that any day over an avatar. Having said that, if you haven't seen Abba Voyage, here's your monthly reminder that it is just <laughs> a phenomenal show. And this is the last appearance of Timberland on the album. He co-wrote the music for this one and co-produced it as well. But what I like about this is where Skin Divers was just such a full, rounded sound. This one is a much more stripped back sound. It's really just about that drum beat and those playful synths. And, you know, you get the the kind of repetitive bass rhythm as well. But there's not too much thrown into this one. I love them all. I'd say this is the one where you might forget that Timberland is involved, as I may or may not have done. <laughs> thank you for your honesty so track number 10 then and this is what your dad's always saying about your bloody mother she's too much and never mind whatever keeps it burning someday she might just be the one who's going to much there uh track number 10 and this album is not letting up with this again a much more organic track i love the vocals on this so emotional so meaningful and uh just on the right side of croonery i must say as well but i love the fact although you've got a nice sort of snaking beat in it it's not overly produced this one either yeah for me this last run of songs, these last three songs, feel much more uh, Duran Duran than the people they're working with. You can definitely hear them there, particularly on this one. It's on the beat, it's in the percussion that it feels a little bit uh, more of a hip-hop thing than the kind of uh, pop, rock, synth-pop, whatever Duran Duran come from. But these three songs, I think, could are the three that could fit in a different Duran Duran album. And you spoke about the vocals on this one. There are some additional vocals uh, and some additional vocal production on this from Jim Beans. Now, Jim Beans, we've spoken about before on his work on Britney's Blackout, as well as his work on Nelly Furtado's Loose. But he has also worked with the likes of Danita Kane, M.I.A., and Gwen Stefani on The Sweet Escape. We've done her first album. Are we going to go on to... The Sweet Escape next, Will? Yes, because I love that song. Oh, you started too high, love. Yeah, I've gone too high. <coughs> and this song, Will, lyrically... Lyrically? Final one of those, talking, no more. Thank you. Talking about <laughs> how she's too much. Talking about she cries when she's alone. This is all about one of Simon's daughters 
Now, the fans are going to write in and tell me off because in the heat of the moment, I've forgotten which daughter it was about. Um, but I think it's such a lovely thing that on this album, on this incredible album, working with some incredible producers for one of his daughters, she can listen to it and hear this song and know that of all the thousands of people listening to it, this is dedicated to her. And of course, Will, the line that I love most in this one is sometimes the pressure gets too much and you think she's going to burst and shatter like a Christmas bauble. Uh, and your sister did want to burst, didn't she? What do you do when you burst your bladder, though? Surely there's no coming back from that. Uh... Anyway, I'll have to ask. I know I've got a doctor friend. I'll ask her. Oh, and you've got a doctor's appointment tomorrow, haven't you, as well? Oh, and doctors love it when you go in with one thing and then ask them a load of questions about stuff you read on the internet. Yes. Self-diagnosis. It helps them. So, yeah, it really helps them because it helps them learn more and you learn together. Yeah. Uh, and they don't find that at all patronising. No, in fact, the more you fret about your illness, the more likely they are to find out what, what it is. So, something to think about there. This has been a paid promotion from the NHS. <laughs> No, the NHS would be... Um, no, the NHS are fine. It's the government, isn't it, that's shit. Oh, yeah. Awful. Right. <laughs> Next one. Next, then, penultimate track on the album, Dirty Great Monster. And I'm sure this song isn't about a man's member, but it's hard to it's hard to not think like that, isn't it? For us, it's hard for you to not think like that. Certainly, <laughs> I've certainly never thought of it that way before. Uh, but this is the most the rockiest, most guitar-driven song on the album. And I always like to think that they just kind of sneak this one in as the penultimate track on the album, and hope no one would notice. Hope Timberland wouldn't notice. <laughs> yeah, as I said, this trio of songs which would form side d of the vinyl which worth pointing out actually this is being released on vinyl in the uk for the first time uh roundabout now actually but it was released i think just in the us in a limited run a few years ago alongside uh all you need is now and Medazland and astronaut here in the uk uh which is great news but i'm going off on a tangent what was i saying oh yes mm. these three as i said do feel the most around around this one even more so not only the incredible kind of more organic instruments like the piano and the drum beat but also the sax on this one will the saxy sax very saxy and the first time you've, you've had a sax on this one as well uh and the last time actually but i just really like the fact that so late in the album we're hearing something very fresh and very different but at the same time, it does feel like one of those we're getting towards the end of the album now songs, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, as I said right at the start, they know the structure of an album inside out. It's so important to them, just as the live set list is. Uh, so this is a penultimate track, works so well, and they do it with every album. Um, but what I like about this is actually, although it's 
maybe the most Duran Duran sounding. It's actually quite a different sound for Duran Duran as well because it's so bluesy. And I don't think we really think of them as being a bluesy band. No, we don't imagine Duran Duran with the blues because they're always so, you know, their natural space and style of music is to be very upbeat, very glam, very uh, professional and professional, very professional. Yes, they're a very professional band. <laughs> very polite to the staff. Yeah, always turn up for uh, their shows, good hour and a half in advance, very polite to the engineers when they're recording, uh, always, always sign the thousands of albums, very professional. So, on to the last track of the album proper now. Here is Last Man Standing. I'm standing there. What a great time to talk about the fantastic oh. album artwork. And I'm not, just to be clear, Dan, I'm not doing this just because it's the last track on the album. I'm doing it because it's this track. Okay. Uh, so the album artwork, it's this, this for me, like what I was saying at the start, is classic Duran Duran uh, art direction where you've got the kind of stripped labels to say Duran Duran, Red Carpet Massacre in red and black. And then you've got a model literally collapsed presumed dead on the red carpet with a load of glamorous shoes almost trampling over oh it's a ruthless world dan mm. don't want you get don't want you getting involved i know I, i'll do what i normally do and stand back and watch <laughs> and offer assistance when the time is right maybe maybe but i think it's it's a very much a very in their style and uh would look fantastic on uh mounted on uh mounted on a wall well, I don't know if you're saying... Are you saying that just because I did have a huge version of this made up of nine individual no. images? My brother bought it for me for my birthday one year. I still got it, actually, but just nowhere to put it in this uh, large, spacious flat. Um, but it, one day it'll be going in the library or something like that. And two things I really love about the artwork on this one, well, or the direction. One is that it says Duran Duran's Red Carpet Massacre. Just really makes it feel even more dramatic and kind of ties in with those... Uh, Broadway shows but also the photography is by Nick from the band Nick Rhodes of course Uh, and I do seem to remember reading or seeing that it's because or part of the reason is because they were getting so close to the deadline of getting the album out there and they had this art direction that they quite wanted to do so they just thought bugger it we'll do it ourselves (laughs) the track itself I mean it's it's a good enough track but I just don't think it's the right song to finish the album on and I think for me, it's a little bit drony as well. And I'm obviously going to disrespectfully disagree, disagree with you. Disagree, yes. Because yes, in yes. all honesty, I know you're going to think I'm just saying this to wind you up, but this is one of my favourite songs on the album. And it's one of my probably, you know, they've got a lot of songs, probably like top 20 Duran Duran songs, because I just think it's what they always do so well. It closes the collection perfectly. But my favourite bit of it is the false ending you think it's you think it's fading out and then it builds back up and the piano just kind of twinkles and explodes uh, and you hear all these different influences of the new sounds and the old sounds uh, before it finally does fade out 
that's what I love about it. Uh, also, one that I love to sing along to. I used to have little, the uh, the homemade CDs, not homemade CDs, but home-burned CDs in the car. And I'd often put things in there that I thought I could sing really well. And this was one of them. <laughs> I'd love to know what other songs were on there. Can you remember? Um, Nessam Dormer. <laughs> Orinoco Flow. Yeah. The Birdie Song. <laughs> Uh, Dan, thank you for your input, but no. Okay, okay. So just a word on the album performance. Uh, we've already made reference several times to the fact that it wasn't the best received or reviewed album. Uh, this got to number 44 in the album chart. And as you said earlier, Dan, took a real nosedive further after that. Very average reviews, averaging around, I would say, 5 out of 10, 6 out of 10. Uh, a lot of reviewers don't quite like the marrying of the two very different styles of Duran Duran and the Timberland kind of style and production of the time. Some reviews say, actually, they just about pull it off and their integrity as a group in itself remains whilst bringing it up to date. And what I, what I like about Duran Duran is when they have worked with other producers, they have always... It always feels like they've made it out the other side. They've, it's never been something to their detriment or something that's been overly criticised. I think this album just about treads that line mm. from the reviews. Not our opinions, but from the reviews. But we're not going to end it there because, of course, we do have some further listening. And Will... Yes. I'd love to go first. Go on then, Dan. And the reason I'm saying that is because my track is the bonus track that came with some versions of the album, which I do believe appears on the new vinyl, if not certainly the new CD release of the album. This is Cry Baby Cry. So that's Cry Baby Cry, the bonus track from the album. What I love about this song is just how playful it is in so many different ways. The way that the synths rise and fall through the song, the delivery of the chorus and how the harmonies really work to bring that to life. Um, and just the sound of the synths as well. It's just, I think it's really playful. I think it's perfectly right that it didn't appear on the album. But again, it's another great meeting of the different people working on this as well. I think it's the most Duran Duran thing we've heard on this episode, actually. And for me, because it's included on Spotify, it's this is the last track on the album for me. And I think, yeah, that's that's right, actually. Especially after what I just said about the uh, the actual song, Last Man Standing. Yeah, quite, quite, quite unreasonable about that, actually. No, that's not what I meant. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, what have you gone for? So uh, let's have a remix, shall we? So this is uh, not much to choose from because uh, there's only one single, but this is the Tempo mix of Falling Down.
Tiempo, uh, who you might remember from the uh, 90s um, and early noughties as remixes and producers. Uh, they famously had a track themselves called Saturday Night, Sunday Morning, which was great uh, when you're getting ready and drinking your Bacardi breezes and straightening your hair, uh, smoking out your bedroom window uh, and then hiding it with dupe. Um, potentially. <laughs> uh, but this, again, is a very dance floor ready track that just gives it a bit of a bonk, donk, bonk or donk, you decide. <laughs> and uh, it's the, probably the most closest to the dance floor we get with this Duran Duran album today. But I thought uh, a nice, faithful enough remix, just a bit more juiced up. Yeah, and because we did say about this song, it's a little bit more obvious as a single, a little bit more middle of the road and safe maybe. I like that it can lend itself to the dance floor and it kind of it shakes it up a little bit. And I have to be honest, because these remixes uh, weren't readily available and weren't aren't on download uh, or streaming services and weren't on the CD single, I'm really unfamiliar with them. So this was a nice little surprise as well. Ah, lovely. But for now, we're, we're out, out of time. time. On Duran Duran, for, for now. For now. So that is our ninth Duran Duran episode excluding of course the episode of further listening on Patreon do let us know what you think to Duran Duran what you think to Red Carpet Massacre and where you'd like us to go next on the socials at Trapper Track UK and our next Duran Duran episode might not be too far away again it never is is it <laughs> it never is actually so that doesn't really give much away so thank you for listening and until next time I've been falling down and I've been a dirty great monster. Oh, I'm not a member. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.